Hello and welcome to Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast. I'm Casey Smith, and here's what's on the show this week. I'll be giving my thoughts on the World Cup debacle. Will it, or will it not, go ahead? Also, I'll be reviewing all the action from Super League, Championship, and League One. But first, my guest this week is Craig Lingard. He's the head coach of Battle Bulldogs. Now... They've been many people's surprise package this year and they're currently in third place with 7 wins out of 10. The Farmers hit a snag at the weekend after Halifax beat them 22 points to 12 but a playoff place is certainly within the sights come the end of September. I started off my conversation by asking him whether he expected to be third and just how have they won 7 from 10. The interview, by the way, was conducted before the Halifax game. Here it is. In terms of the table, you're in third place. You know, looking before the season, I think you probably, you know, people will be looking at that and saying, well, t- you've took a few by surprise, really. Is is Did you expect to be third at this moment? So it's a real tough, real tough league, a real tough division. So for us to be sat there at this moment in time, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. But you know, the the, the, the group of guys that we've got down there, they're working hard. You know, they listen to everything that we, every, everything, every bit of information that we're giving them. You know, so they're taking everything in. They go out on the field and at the minute they're, they're performing on the weekend. So you know, we're we're third in the table. I think deservedly so at the minute. And however however long that continues, will be determined by how hard the players work. Yeah, and. What is it that's got you seven wins from nine? I just think we've got a, a good group, of, a good group of logs who are working for each other. It's, it's sometimes difficult to try and mould that that team spirit and that that cohesion within within the group. But we've managed to do that. Um, you know, we've, I suppose like everybody does, you you, you make you, you do your recruitment as truly as you possibly can. You, you make you do you do your due diligence on each individual player that you're looking at bringing into the group and what they can add and what they can bring. And you hope that once you've once you've done all that, you've got a, you've got a real good group. It doesn't always work, but fortunately for us, um, it has works. The, the guys really enjoy coming to train. They enjoy working together and playing together. Um, and I, I think we've, we've managed to get on a little bit of a roll. We've we've won a couple of games where you know uh, a bounce of the ball one way or a decision the other way uh, might have meant the games have gone against us. But you know when you're winning, it breeds confidence. It brings, it brings that team spirit. You know if, if maybe we'd, we'd lost three or four games on the bounce and that. That team spirit might have been a bit more difficult to uh, to maintain and, uh, and and gather momentum that we've currently got. So we, you know we're, we're we're currently riding that crest of the wave, and hopefully that can continue. And if it does, and the team spirit, no doubt, will, will, will uh, continue to be good. Um, we're nearing the halfway point of the season now, so you know your third. It'd be foolish to suggest you know playoffs are not on the horizon, wouldn't it? it yeah, it would. Um, you know we're, we're not counting as chickens and. Um, we said that as a, as a coaching group, we're going to have a sit down halfway through the season and see where we are, see what we've done well, see where we need to improve. And um, if we're still sat in the in, in, in the player positions come the halfway point of the season, then we're, we're in a good position. Uh, and we're not that we won't be there by flu. The, the league table doesn't lie. You know, you might you might get a, uh, one or two wins. Um, luckily, or, or maybe one or two wins that you don't don't deserve throughout the season. But on a on a, on a, on a game by game basis throughout the season, you generally end up where you deserve to be, and you know we're, we're third at the minute, and hopefully halfway through the season, and, and more importantly at the end of the season, we're still uh, we're still in the player positions to see what we can do at the end of the season. Because it's just knock out all at the end of the season, the players. And 
you've had some good results, obviously that's why you're third, but you know, um, how do you make sure that, you know, when you go in, because you've got a few tough fixtures coming up, how do you make sure that your players stay focused and don't get sort of taken away by the league position and sort of get carried away? It's, it, that's quite easy, is that because we know that uh, if you have an off day, you're going to get beat. And we saw that against London, um, you know, the, 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 apart from the Featherston game at the start of the season, the only game we've lost so far is London at home. And, you know, they really put us to the sword. And I didn't think we were particularly bad that day. We were just off it slightly. London were very good and we were off it ever so slightly. And, and we got put to the sword quite convincingly. So, you know, we're playing uh, the next three games, Halifax, Bradford, Toulouse, the three top teams. And we know that if we have an off day, then we're going to get shown up. We're potentially going to get embarrassed. So, you know, to, to to maintain the focus of the players and, and, and make sure they go out there um, hoping to win every week, it's, it's it's quite easy for us to main, maintain that focus from the players because they say they know that if they don't if they don't turn, they're going to get the bumps max. Yeah, and in terms of these fixtures, you know, when you're coming up against the Toulouse's, the Bradfords, it's sort of in terms of like the game plan, is it different? Are you more conservative? You know, trying to not you know give things away rather than against a so-called lower team where you'd be probably more enterprising? Uh, some, things, some things remain the same. You know, you want to complete as many sets as you can. It's, easy, it's easier to play rugby league when you've got the ball in hand out than it is when you're defending. So you want to respect the ball, respect the field position. So some things remain the same regardless of who you play. Um, you'll maybe alter your, your tactics and, and the way that you're going to play depending on, on, on the team that, you, that you're up against. You know, So we'll do our reviews on uh, every single team that we play. We'll, we'll watch maybe three, four, five different games that, of, the, of the team that we're playing against. And, and you'll generally find a few patterns there. Uh, some areas defensively where they're strong, some areas defensively where they're weak. And, and you'll you just uh, tweak things up a little bit. So some teams you might play through the middle, some teams you might play slightly wider. Um, that, that, that varies team by team. Um, uh, and it, it might even vary uh, as, as the team progresses through the season as well. We've already played Halifax once this year in, in the Cup, and we've not seen a great deal of them by that point because it was really early on in the season. You know, so we might play slightly different, slightly differently to what we did in, in, in the Cup game. Um, you know, we're expecting a real tough game this week against Halifax, a real tough, uh, tough set of forwards. And I would, I would imagine that you know they'll be smarting from the defeat they got against us at, at the start of the season. And uh, I thought our middles were out, were on top in that game, and I've not, no, no doubt their middles are going to come and. Uh, Try and uh, get one back in our middles this week. Yeah, and to the outside, you know, people who are not associated with Batley, they'll probably be, you know, you've probably been the underdogs this year. Do you think that's helped you in games that you've been sort of like the surprise package and gone under the radar? I think we're always the underdogs, you know, we're, for whatever reason, we always seem to be an, uh, an unfashionable team. And, uh, you know, we said at the start of the season that we want to try and change that perception about Batley, you know, Batley have always been a hard-working, dogged, dogged team, they've always had, had that reputation, but we also want to keep that, that doggedness and that, that, that hard-working re- reputation, but we also want to bring a, a slightly different slant to us this year, they said that we could play rugby and it were, we were, were an attractive place for people to play, which I think we've also done that with some of the games we've played this year, you know, we've scored a lot of points early on during the season, um, maybe in, in recent weeks and then points have been harder, harder to come by, but that's because people are maybe paying us a little bit more attention, a little bit more respect to them than they ordinarily would have done. Um, I think within within rugby league and within the coach and the players that, that are in rugby league, I, I don't think they'll underestimate Battle Bulldogs at all because yeah. you know, these are the players and the coach that are involved in the game week in, week out. Maybe it's the, 
the uh, perception of some of the fans that have just seen yeah. the name of the Bulldogs and we're a small club and, and that's what we will always be. But, you know, we're, we're doing his best and we're, we're trying his hardest to change that perception and, uh, and punch him with our weight. So, um, Jack Logan, he's gone on loan to Hull for a four-week loan. Uh, how likely is that uh, going to be turning into a, a permanent deal? Um, I suppose that'll be down to um, how many games Jack plays and how well he plays in them games. So I've no doubt that if he, if he plays in, 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 in two or three games in that, that month's loan and, and he plays really well, then all will potentially look to extend that loan. Um, so it's all, all going to be down to Jack, whether it's going to be short-term or a long-term thing, we're not, we're not too sure. Um, but we... We gave Jack the opportunity because he had uh, he had a clause in his contract that stated that if a Super League club came in, then um, we, we had to give that give him that opportunity to, to return and play Super League because he wants to be a full time player. So you know we're we're certainly not going to hold, hold Jack back. You know it's, it's, it's going to be a loss for us without a doubt. But you know we made that promise to him that you know we give him the opportunity to put himself in the shop window. We've done that, and he's now got the opportunity to go back into Super League and. And, and, and hopefully stay there for the, for the season and even longer. Um, if he doesn't, then he comes back to us and it's, it's great for us. Um, but like I said, I think, I think it's a win-win win-win all round. It's a win for Jack. He's got, he's got the opportunity to go back. It helps all because they're low on numbers. Um, and I suppose in the long term as well for us, it, it helps us because we've got, we can then show players that if you come and play for us, we're putting people in, the, in that shot window to return back, back to Super League. So uh, in, in, in regards to our, our recruitment, it helps us that we can identify and show people that, that want to either get back into Super League or, or go into Super League from, from a lower level that we've got, a, got that avenue and a proven, a proven record of pushing people back into Super League. So you were without him for at least four weeks. Um, are you looking at get? Are you looking at um, getting anybody in to replace him? No, no, we, we're happy with what we've got. Dale Martin's missed the last, the last couple of weeks, so Dale will be back available this week. We've also got George Senior who came in against uh, Whitehaven the previous week and did a real good job. George has been out on loan at, at the start of the season, getting some good experience there, and that, that stood him in really good stead when he came back last week against uh, against Whitehaven. So we're... we're we're low, on, we're low on numbers, you know. We, we, we're naming a 21-man squad every week, but we haven't got 21 fit, 21 fit players. Um, so unless it gets to the point where we're down to uh, 15, 16 players, we won't be look, going out and looking at bringing people in. You know, we're we're happy with what we've got. We, we, we've got a squad, um, and the only way that you, you're going to develop these players is, is to give them that opportunity. So you know, for people like like George Senior, it, it'd be a bit of a kick in the teeth for him if we went out and brought somebody else into playing this position when we're looking at George to be a uh, a long-term, long-term part about the Bulldogs, you know. So we've got the players; we'll use them, and, and that, that, that'll identify whether they're going to be good enough long-term. And away from home, you've you've done pretty well this year. Is that something that you've sort of focused on, or has that just happened sort of naturally? Yeah, it's just happened naturally. As that, you know, we don't really speak about it as a as a way form as such. You know, we've we, we made a conscious effort, I suppose, like all teams do, to. Uh, to try and make sure that your home form is, is really good because I think a team uh, a team like us we need our own form to be very very good um, and and that's been that's been good so far as well um, and we, then we just say we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes away away from home pick as many wins up away from home as you can but as you said as, as away form so far has been you know it's been outstanding to go to uh, places like Whitehaven and, and get a victory and, um, and and then last week going to York against a real good York team and and getting a victory over there it's uh, it, we can't, we can't really ask for any more, so uh, we're back at home this week, so hopefully we can maintain our, our good home record and, uh, and build on what we've done so far in the last three games. Yeah, and changing tack a little bit, um, so in terms of yourself, uh, way back, how did you get into this sport of rugby league? 
Uh, way back when I, uh, <laughs> I, I brought up in a, a little mining village called Charleston, and there's uh, there's not not many other things to do in Charleston. Play for yeah. from play from uh, play rugby league, you know. So I was, uh, I was from a rugby league family, rugby league background. So uh, I, I started playing rugby league from a from a young age. Played yeah. at some of the local junior teams and um, throughout the Yorkshire age groups growing up, and uh, I stagnated a little bit, I suppose. As, uh, in, in my teenage years, as people were getting signed on professionally at yeah. academies and scholarships and things like that, so I had to go a slightly different route. Went out and played in the academy and uh, alliance team, as it were, then at, at Sheffield Eagles. And then when David Ward were, were at Ballet Bulldogs, managed to get a trial to come down there, played in the reserves, and then in the same same season, played in the first team and uh, spent my entire playing career, uh, professional playing career at, uh, at Batley. Um, joined the, the uh, the coaching staff, I suppose, in my last year as a player when I retired um, and then moved away from the club, went over to Belford and worked on their scholarship for, for a couple of years and um, got me opportunities as, as in my first head coach role at, at Bramley Buffaloes um, and came back under John Keir at, at Batley's assistant and that got me back into the professional game. Yeah, uh, is it, is, so is that something all you, all you've always wanted to do, get into rugby league? Yeah, definitely. As I said, I was brought up on, on rugby league, I was... As, as a young kid, I was a Featherstone Rovers fan. You know, yeah. to go, uh, every game home and away with, with, with my dad, and uh, you know, I, I think it went about four or five years as a young kid without, without missing the game. You know, <laughs> so it was, it was something. It was always the, the Sunday afternoon thing that we did. Yeah. Go down to watch the rugby. Sunday never had to go down to watch the rugby. You know, so it was always a big part of my life growing up. And me, uh, my first Challenge Cup final, the nineteen eighty three Cup final, when Featherstone beat all fourteen twelve. You know, so from a, a real, real young, real early age, I've always had rugby league. Uh, involved in my life yeah they're in the 1895 cup final aren't they uh coming up yeah 17th yeah. of july yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're playing york in the final so i think it'll be a, a real good day out for them and yeah. castleford in the, in the challenge cup final so i think it'll be be a bit of a uh a deserted deserted uh yeah got a ghost town over in featherston and castleford on the, on the 17th of july <laughs> will you be cheering featherston on then or what uh, it's a little bit different now yeah. involved in the game if you yeah the, the sort of Affinity and the support they had for your team growing up when you're involved in the game. We played for another club and now coaching another club. You know, back, back the Bulldogs are my club now. They've been my club since I, since I played. Yeah. Um, you know, Featherstone are always obviously going to be close to me now because of the number of years I supported them when I was a, when I was a young kid growing up. So I always look for, look for Featherstone's results as well. And as a player, uh, like on the field and sort of dressing room and tra- in training and stuff, what kind of personality were you? Were you like, you know, sort of leader type thing? Yeah, I suppose we're always vocal. You know, we're always uh, always uh, talking to the senior players, always trying to put me, uh, my point across. Um, I was made captain at a fairly young age, about this time, about 23, 24, and I was made captain. When I played, you know, so which is it's a fairly young age to be to be considered the captain. Is that so? I've always had that sort of leadership role and uh, and put the point across. And I did always wanted to want to get into in, into coaching in some in some form, whether it had been an amateur, junior, or at, at the pro level of where we are now. So it's uh, I suppose I've always had that that, that leadership mentality around me, and uh, maybe seeing the bigger picture a little bit more than more than what some people do. Um, and it's yeah, you know, it's it's a role that I've enjoyed. You know, enjoy, enjoy the responsibility of captain, and enjoy the responsibility of being a head coach now. Yeah, and now that you are a coach, um, do you sort of take inspiration from anybody? You know, like who you was, who was a coach? You, you know, your coach, or do you speak to anybody? You know, for advice and things. 
Um, you try and take inspiration, either good or bad, from everybody you work yeah. with. I think that's the important thing is that you know not, not everybody when you work with is going to have the same mindset or the same philosophies or the same beliefs as what as what you've got. But that doesn't mean so you can't pick up you know good attributes that, that they're, they're displaying towards you. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've played under some good coaches. I've worked with some good coaches as well. You know, so you try and you try and take the good bits that you want to use from them and, and avoid the bad bits that, that, that you've seen in, in, in them and mould them into your own style. There's no point. There's no point trying to copy to be somebody else because you'll, you'll soon get out. You can't, you can't keep up that you keep up that charade. So you've got to be your own person. You've got to be your own bloke and it's got to be your own style. Um, you've got to look at the things that you've seen, the things that you've learned and try and, and, try and make them benefit to, uh, to your culture style and your culture philosophy. Yeah. Uh, when, so when you were a player, no need to name any names, but like, you know, say when you're playing, was there anything that you, you, you know, well, I won't take that bit of advice from the coach. You know, I didn't like that certain approach. Um, no, I, I, I was I were really lucky as a as a player. You know, I, 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 I never played under under the coach where I didn't and I either enjoy playing for him or you know, I think some maybe some players will play for a coach and think what what what, what next is bloke on about. But I, you know, <laughs> I, play, I was lucky. You know, like David Ward, who was you know just a legend of the game, Paul Story. Uh, and John Sharp for, for a short a short period, Sam Gary, Gary Thought, and you know, I played under played under some under some really good blokes. Um, and and I think that's the that's the main thing that I, that I took out of all the coaches that I played under. Everybody who I enjoyed playing under were just really good blokes. You know, that you know, respected and valued you as a person as well, first and foremost. You know, so that's always been something that I've, I've tried to take from people is to respect the individuals, the, the players, and, and and just just try and make them feel feel valued. Yeah, and do you do anything outside of rugby, or is it just focused on coaching? No, yeah, I, I, I did nineteen years in prison service, so right. I, uh, I took a career from the prison service. Um, I've always done community coaching in, in and around schools, working working with Batley as well. Um, I'm currently, currently working uh, running my own alternative school provision business as well with with, with somebody else. You know, so that's looking after kids um, that get temporary step outs from. Uh, from mainstream school, so I've gone from working with criminals to working with kids. And I think it's just got just needs to <laughs> need some animals next, and I think I've got the old uh, the old bingo set. Craig Lingard, there. Let's get on to the World Cup because it's sort of descending into a bit of a farce at the moment. So I think the first match in Newcastle, England v Samoa, is it? It's just a couple of months away, four months, I think it is, and yet. We don't even know whether it's going ahead. We've already had all the self-interest in from Super League trying to get preparation for this, you know, fixture, trying to get some games in. You know, England v the All-Stars. I think Tim Sheens, the All-Stars coach, he basically had, he had a long list of players he could have and it ended up being that those who played were the only ones left on the list. So that tells you just about how bothered these Super League chairman and stakeholders are because, you know, there was even a game on, for God's sake, at the same time. Hull FC v Huddersfield. Hang your head in shame for that. Why on earth can the people who make the decisions just not get together and sort something out because it's a total disgrace. Just look at the game as it is now. We've, you know, 
Look at Super League. There's 12 teams in it. Arguably, they should have more, probably, to, you know, grow the game. But no, they, they can't afford more than 12 teams. And now, they probably can't even afford 12 now. So, it's probably going to go back down to 10 because there's a Sky deal and it's been significantly reduced. So, yet again, the short-sightedness is, oh, let's just reduce the comp and we'll keep the same amount of money. You know, this is the attitude of these Super League chairman. They broke away a bit ago. It's time to come back. But when are they going to come back? Everybody says, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they realign. Well, when's that going to happen? It, because, you know, it's, it's got to happen sooner rather than later because this sport is slipping away. Just look at the loop fixtures. Why do we even have them? So, chairmans can get a bit more money in the short term. But what they don't see is, actually, loop fixtures, well, we don't want to see the big derbies played again and again and again. The reason why attendances are declining, probably, is because we have too many of the same fixtures. Probably because they don't advertise it properly enough. Look at Sky, I don't think they're advertising it enough. Super League are not advertising it enough. We've had... Sky Games live on YouTube for free and nobody's known about them. Barely anybody's watched them because nobody bothers to market this thing. It's it's so despairing. But that's just one element of it because, you know, they, could, they couldn't even organise an England match to be played as a standalone fixture. And if you can't even organise that, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, what are they even doing? It's... it's it's so, so frustrating because you look at the players that you've got and there's some brilliant players and what sells international games? Just look at the newspapers right now. Look at all the coverage of the Lions, the British and Irish Lions. <laughs> international games are very popular with people who are not associated primarily with the sport. Look... Look at the teams in Rugby League at the moment. Where are they all situated? M62. You know, there's a couple of places outside of that. But there's a hell of a lot of places who don't have a club. You know, who do they support? Well, the international game's a big selling point to them. I'm from Bolton. There's no team really in Bolton. I don't want to support Wigan. You know, I'm a big Bolton Wanderers fan in football. Why would I want to support Wigan Warriors? Uh, Lee, and I don't associate with Lee. I don't associate with any club really. So who do I support? Well, England really. And when was the last time England played? What was it? Twenty eighteen. There was the GB Lions tour, and there's no set fixture for them. You know, does anybody know if they're ever going to come back? Are we going to ever reschedule the Ashes? <laughs> for God's sake, just. Set out a calendar where there's always an England fixture. There's always a, you know, there's got to be regular tests. It's obvious. When everything is in decline, do not batten down the hatches. Do something about it. Go out there. Try and do something. Well, I'm afraid at the moment it's all about, you know, looking at them themselves and looking at not the bigger picture, I'm afraid. 
So, yeah, this brings me on to the World Cup because that's, well, a decision's going to be made this week about whether it's going ahead or not. Why, why is it in doubt? Have we got any ideas? Because I, I don't know. Why is it in doubt? The 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 uh, vaccine is so successful in this country. You know, we we get in bigger craze by the week. All restrictions are supposed to be lifted on nineteenth of July. You know, the the tournament's in October. Uh, so why can we not have the tournament? I really do not understand why this is in doubt. And let's not have COVID as a reason because that's rubbish, absolute rubbish. Look at New Zealand. Aren't they over here? Uh, for the cricket at the moment, you know they they seemed they seem to get over fine. If we're really calling this off because the flipping Australians, uh, the the people who run NRL want a proper pre-season, are we? So they're really going to chuck away a whole tournament because they're going to have to quarantine, which then means they won't have a proper pre-season. Push your season back a bit, and hang on a minute. Let's look at the Euros right now. Uh, the, in the news recently, there was there was a story about a lot of UEFA officials giving dispensation, a lot of UEFA VIPs taking thousands of seats at Wembley, and yet they don't have to quarantine when they it's either when they get there or when they get back. But that strikes to to me as a bit of a farce, really. That. You know, it's one rule for the UEFA officials and one rule for the rest of us. But, I mean, if poxy UEFA officials can, you know, strike a deal with the government to bypass quarantine rules, then I'm sure the Australian teams and the other teams in the Southern Hemisphere can at least strike some sort of deal with the governments down there, you know, surely. So, uh, you know, to me, all this can be avoided, but there doesn't seem to be an appetite for it. And for me, that is just, that is, you know, a bit of a disgrace, really. And if it does get pushed back, well, some say, well, oh, well, it won't be the end of the world, we'll still have the tournament. But I'm afraid it's going to have a, you know, it's going to make the tournament so, so less um, prominent. Originally, this tournament was meant to be standalone. There, w- there won't be any, um, there won't be any big events on at the same time. The whole focus would be on the Rugby League World Cup. So any fans who follow other sports, well, they'd have a chance to watch something else. So, you know, the opportunity for a massive audience was there. That's already been put back because all the big tournaments delayed from last year was now onto this year. But now, if we if we put this back to 2022 now, what are we competing with? Because the World Cup is held, what is it, October? Towards the end of the year. Uh, look look at when the Qatar World Cup in football is going to be held. Because that's not held in the usual summertime because it's in Qatar and it was too hot. That's going to be held at pretty much a similar time to this tournament. And how, how are the BBC going to cover that? And the World Cup. What's going to happen with that? It's going to be an absolute disaster. There's no way this can happen. It probably will though. And probably by the time you're listening to this. Because it's a, a decision is expected 
in within the next few days. Probably we'll we'll the tournament will be already called off, and I think that's just you know such a disgrace. That's my thoughts on it. But let's just get on to the All Stars because people looked at that game, and I've seen on social media and other things, you know, saying well, England are not going to do well at the tournament on that showing. Well, I don't really share the same views, to be honest. And that may be uh, slightly incorrect, given that I don't really watch the NRL. I don't pay attention to what the Australians are doing. I focus solely on the uh, English game. So perhaps I'm I'm not aware of the quality of the Australians. I'm aware that they're very good. But just look at that game. It it was a close game. That's what they wanted. They wanted a test. So in terms of that, it went well. It went successfully. Um, winning the game is not the be-all and end-all. You know, it was a good test to see players. And so some of the, the All-Stars' best players was actually English. So... You know, is Jermaine McGilvery going to put on an England shirt? Maybe he will. Is Jake Connor going to put on an England shirt? Maybe he will. But the 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 thing is, they probably won't be playing against us in the tournament. But forget that. Just let's have a look at the players that were out, because I mean, that team is not going to be in the tournament. Let's be honest. Just. Let me read off a list of players that we didn't have. Nile Levels, Jake Truman, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul, could he could he be considered? Mike Percival, Alex Wormsley, Johnny Lomax, George Williams, Jack Wellsby, although he did get called up but didn't make the squad. Uh, Tom Johnston, Gareth Widdop. Josh Charnley, Zach Hardacre, Oliver Gildart, Sam Powell, Jake Bibby. You know, well, you you could uh, look at that list and say, well, some of them probably didn't deserve to be in the squad, weren't on the best of form. Some players are better than what I've mentioned. Well, yeah, a few are, but then there's quite a few who, you know, were unavailable because of injury and all sorts of other issues. And, you know, there's there's a much better squad that we can muster up and I've not even mentioned the NRL um, contingent that didn't play because of you know other issues there's too many uh, mitigating factors always in this sport um, but for me the squad would be totally different and it would be much better I thought there was quite good to be honest Liam Farrell impressed I thought um Sam Tompkins were good at fullback. I thought Mike Cooper did all right in stages, some good offloads. But for me, uh, a bit, we probably didn't have enough big guys, which will be obviously counteracted when we bring in Alex Wormsley and the like. But yeah, for me, not strong enough making metres. Also, um, when we was defending on our line, a few occasions we were caught out because th- there was a there was a lot of congestion in one area and then on the other side you know the all-stars had men over and it wasn't great really but it was you know 
the first game they've had. So you, you, I suppose you can't argue with that. And also, <laughs> I think it was it the last try for the All Stars. Um, that was a knock on. Let's be honest about that. It was. I don't. The re, the video ref Ben Fairler. I don't know whether he was trying to be too impartial or not, but. As for, for everyone looking at that and he looked at it three or four times and it clearly <laughs> was knocked on by Jake Connor and he, he ignored it it seems and he, he gave the try so without that they would have won really and there was there was a they had a very good chance towards the end where I think they got a penalty and they were they were looking at the try line but there was a pass and it was it were a good pass and it got knocked on and then that the game was over. So for me, well, given that it was probably a second squad and there was also players out of position, I think that's all right to be honest. And for me, Gareth Widdup should have been playing. You you saw against Lee what he were made of, which I'll be getting on to later on when I talk about the Super League fixtures, but. He's kicking against Lee and his form this season, he's been one of the best this year. Top stuff from Gareth Widdert. Gareth Widdert. He should have been playing for me. Especially ahead of Luke Gale. I don't rate Luke Gale that much. Also, let's talk about Jackson Hastings because that's a bit of an elephant in the room, really. And for me, he shouldn't be playing for England. He shouldn't be. And here's why. He's he's not English. Let's he's is he English? No. He wasn't born in England. I don't think he grew up in England. I think he's only come over uh when he signed for Salford. Uh he he's eligible because he has a grandma who was English. Well for me, it might be in the rules, but for me that's shouldn't be in the rules because I don't see what having a grandma born in a country how that makes you you know, a certain nationality. If you were born in Australia and then you moved over at a young age and you've lived lived in England all your life, then perhaps, you know, that's a different story. But, he, you know, he, for me, he's Australian. And people say, well, that's a lot of rubbish, but shall we just look at the state of origin? I confess I've not been watching state of origin I don't know much about it, to be honest. But there's a player there. I think, does he play for Queensland? I'm not... Was he called Ronaldo, something Ronaldo? Yeah, that player. He was deemed ineligible to play for that um, team because basically he wasn't from there. And so... And everybody everybody who says, well, Jackson Hastings should be playing is also saying, well, he shouldn't be playing because, you know, he may say he's from there, but he's not from there. Well, for me, it's the same case with Jackson Hastings. And that's just the way I see it. And also, there's a, there's a wider point of, uh, look at the players England produces. It's probably, you know, they probably don't produce as many as they want they probably don't produce as many quality players as they want and for me uh putting an australian in there or somebody who's not necessarily been brought up under this system is not doing our system any favors just look at the the welsh team the irish team the scotland team how many of them are actually welsh irish and scottish i don't think many of them are 
and we really don't want to be in a situation where it's you know cobbled together because we can muster up a good squad ourselves we want to be proud of our system bringing through players and I'd rather have a less quality team that we've produced than some that somebody else has produced. That's how I see it anyway. But that's all the international uh, discussion. Now, we might as well get on to Super League because there's a lot of, lot of stuff to get into this episode. So, you know, we might as well get on to it. Uh, Thursday, it was another loss for Lee. I think that's 12 losses now. Out of 12, uh, Warrington won 44 points to 18. And it were a very young Warrington team, actually. You know, if you're looking at Lee, and we know what they're good at. They're good at scoring points. They're good with um, passion, mentality. They keep going even when they're down. But they're always chasing games. And for me, you, I were looking at Warrington's squad, and despite having, you know, first-choice halves... And some of us, for me, they should have beat that team. You know, there were so many young players in that squad. And they was convincingly beaten. So it does beg the question, where is the wing going to come from? Akuala made his presence known with a massive hit on Tyrone McCarthy. And I think he did a few others as well. There was It was contentious, that actually, because people were saying, well... If he, if he was the defender, it would have been a shoulder charge. But for me, uh, Tyrone McCarthy's tackling technique wasn't up to scratch, really. And, you know, if he probably went for the legs rather than, you know, what he did, he probably wouldn't have been absolutely bulldozed over and uh, missing uh, the head injury assessment. For me, Lee, you know... the. In one way, they're commendable because when I watch them, they seem to go at 100 mile an hour, you know, all the time. And, you know, that's to be applauded because they're having a good go. But it produces errors. And for me, that's what stopped them winning and that's what's stopping them winning games. I don't think a team at the bottom can afford to be so enterprising for so long. They've got to know when to go uh, at a team and when to take the tackles and probably get some possession. For me, they're not doing that. And also, they need to get players in defensively. And for me, they don't have enough big players. They need some big players who can make metres and, you know, make sure that when they're in defence, the metres are reduced. But yeah, I mentioned Gareth Widdop earlier. His kicks, you know, really, really helped Warrington in that game. Should be playing for England for me. Other results on the night. Wakefield beat Wigan, 14 points to 6. It's another bad one for Wigan. But I suppose they were without quite a few of the top players. I'll be saying that for most of these fixtures. But it's going to get worse for Wigan. Because Bevan French has been ruled out for the season. But Wakefield won't be bothered because it's another two points for them. And actually, they're chasing down a playoff spot rather than looking down, actually. So that, it's good times for Wakefield after a nervy start, should we say. 
Catalans overcame Castleford, that was 16 points to 6. The Dragons are going well. You know, they're showing their credentials, I think. Again, both teams without players due to injury because of the All-Star games as well. Uh, but, for me, another good game for the young French players. And Mathieu Laguerre got another try, which is good to see. Also on Friday, whilst the All-Star games was on, Hull FC overcame Huddersfield in a close run tie. That was 17 points to 10. Uh, according to BBC figures, Huddersfield were 10-0 up in the first half, so probably poor that they let them back in. But, and they'll point to unavailable players, but I say, well, stuff you. What are you doing playing on this weekend, on the game? I can sort of forgive Salford playing on Sunday and whatnot. I can't forgive them playing at the same time as England, I'm afraid. No sympathies there, I'm afraid. It's it's a disgrace that they're playing at the same time, actually. The one place you can actually grow the sport and they're not interested. And I didn't see the game. I was too busy watching England, I'm afraid, so... On to the next match. Uh, Leeds beat Salford 38-12. And it probably were more of a boxing match, actually. There were two sending-offs, two sim-bins, uh, equal share on each side. So one had a red and one had a yellow. You get the picture. And there could have been more reds because there were punches thrown left, right and centre. You know... They could have had, I don't know how many men they could have had it, you know, the pitch would have been empty. But Salford have given themselves a mountain to climb in too many games. And they're always chasing the games. They're going to have to find a way to stay disciplined, I'm afraid. And Wakefield next, that's a crucial one. That was it for Super League. Into the Championship, Featherston win big again, so do to lose. Whitehaven put one over on York, so just when you think York might be turning a corner, well, they, you know, last week they lost against Batley, but they came close, and they probably shouldn't have lost, but they did lose. But, yeah, think just when you think they turn in a corner, and then they lose to Whitehaven, and it it was convincing win for Whitehaven. York are ninth now, so they're looking more towards relegation rather than playoffs, so... If they want the playoffs, they're going to have to get get moving quickly. Dewsbury beat Oldham. Dewsbury are looking good for the playoffs. Rather than relegation. Not what we would have said a few weeks ago. And they're doing better than York, so top stuff from Dewsbury, really. Uh, for Oldham, they're going to, going to have to start winning soon because the gap's going to start growing and they're in them relegation spots. A team in more trouble is Swinton. They came close to the first win. They were winning at one point, you know, deep into second half as well. Against London, It was, I think it was 18-18 at half-time. Ultimately, though, old London are too big of a task for Swinton, you feel. Although a win is not far away, it seems. You know, they keep going with Swinton. Similar to Lee, really. Uh, who have they got next? Whitehaven. 
that's got to be a must win. That's got to be a must win. Well, it is a must win. They've got to win it. Um, yeah. Witness, they beat Bradford. So, after the turmoil that they seem to be in uh, at the start of the season, they're doing all right now. And they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. And that was it in Championship. Now, let's get into League One. We'll start off with Rochdale. They got the first win. 38 points to 28 against North Wales, fellow playoff contenders. Uh, that's one I went to, actually, and it was quite a good day. Quite a good crowd, I think. Nearly 1,400. Tickets were just a tenner. So, excellent value. Good atmosphere. You know, food was being served. Drinks were being served, more importantly. Which is more than can be said about quite a few uh, teams, obviously with all the COVID restrictions, but yeah, uh, food and drink was on sale, so it was a good day, and it was a good match as well. Rochdale, uh, at the start of the game, because Rangi Chase were making his debut, uh, he had a good match, although it lasted 22 minutes, because he went off with a, a broken arm, so he's going to be out, and they've only just signed him, you know, a big signing, get us in the playoffs. He's already out after 20, debut lasted 22 minutes, but when he was on the field, all the action went through him. He, you know, some of his passes were opening up good good spaces for Rochdale. So it was a shame that he went off. And then it was 10-0 at that stage when he went off, I think. And then North Wales came into it for a bit of in, indiscipline and a lot of... Uh, field position was given to North Wales so that so at the break I think there was about two points in it 20 to 18 it was I think and then in the second half you know Rochdale got some more points on the board and I think they was worthy of the victory really Fui Fui Mai Mai had a great game as well so yeah if you're looking for a game to go, I'd recommend Rochdale. Um, also in League One, Cumbrian Derby, that was all square. So Barrow are still unbeaten. I think over 3,000 was at that match. I think entry was free, however. But, you know, good stuff being done at Barrow. And, you know, they've still got that uh, unbeaten record, which will impress Steve Neal. And they've just signed a couple more ex-Super League players. You know, the signings keep on coming for Barrow. Uh, rest of League One, wins for Doncaster, wins for Keefley and Hunslet. That's it for this week. Do join me next week because we'll probably be discussing the fact that the World Cup has been called off. Fingers crossed, we won't be. There'll also be all the action... From Super League, Championship and League One. And there'll be another guest. Which you'll have to wait and see who that is. That'll be next Monday. See you then. 